Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. Welcome to this week's episode where data proves king when looking for profitability. This is in partnership with the OptiWay series. So looking at what we can do with in-paddock weighing and also looking at that outside value. This week we have Emily Perkins on the call in the virtual studio for Farms Vice podcast. Very grateful to have her in and her expertise. She's running a mob at home, but also she's got some adjustment five hours away so we'll dive in to see how this all works using ag tech with adjustment and the dynamics of what that is and how data proves king for emily emily perkins great to have you on the episode today but also on the optiway series how we're improving productivity through our data collected out in the paddock but also what we're measuring in the office as well how are you going today great thanks for having me jack i'm really looking forward to it um, yeah, I'm going well today. Bit cool, but all good. Absolutely, and it's great to have the perspective of farmers come on board. It's not the easiest thing to get farmers to come on board, and it's good to go through operations, not in the finest of details, but just to see how others are doing. I think a lot of listeners out there benefit from hearing what others do. You can't always go everywhere and see what people are doing. Um, you only really know what your neighbours are doing. They're probably quite similar to what you're doing as well. Um, but great to have you on here. But before we dive down to some agribusiness, tell me about yourself, your background, and how did you land yourself on in your current role now? Oh, um, well, I grew up, I was actually born east of 
uh, Gundawindi at a small town called Texas on the New South Wales Queensland border, uh, where my parents were involved in their own family farming operation, um, which was on the loose of us there at Texas, um, and primarily um, Japok bullocks is what they um, produced out of there, um, and also some feeder cattle uh, into into a big feedlot that was there. Uh, to further a secondary education, uh, to further our education, but ultimately a secondary education, uh, we moved to Tamworth and uh, lived at Tamworth for nearly 20 years um, in my early primary school days. Um, and that we lived on a um, on a quite a big place just south of Tamworth, where which had a stud operation and also a commercial steer operation, going to the feeder market and also back into the Jackbox. Yeah. Uh, and they were involved in large scale corporate ag back throughout um, the eastern seaboard, so right up into the uh, Barclay, uh, the Gulf, uh, the Channel Country. So as a kid, we had a pretty unique um, lifestyle because we could, we were all part of that. So whether it was um, drafting books on a Sunday or stud cows or whatever it was, um, my brother and I were all part of that. Um, and then I went to, uh, I was a weekly water in Tumworth uh, for my secondary education. Thank you for tuning um, in to the Farms the Advice that, podcast. It is produced by Virtuise Digital, the, the agribusiness England. marketing um, specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information um, on this episode and the so others the before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please I, give us um, a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. So, in the spirit of reconciliation, and, the Farms Wise podcast okay. acknowledges the uh, traditional custodians of year, country for Australia and their connections to project. land, sea um, and community. And we pay our respect to their elders Japan, past and present um, and extend that respect to did, all um, Aboriginal yeah, and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Prospect of finger lines to go into the uh, niche market for garnishes of sushi in, in Japan. So very different from the beef. Very niche, yeah. So it probably taught me a, yeah, probably taught me a lot about um, supply chain and really understanding what your customer and um, making sure that you're always producing an article that your customer wants. You can produce an article, but you, your customer needs to want it as well. Um, came back, I thought I was just going to hang around on, on my mum and dad's lounge. They probably had a few other ideas and thought I better get a job. So. And that started my career back into the beef industry in Australia. So I was fortunate enough to become a management trainee um, with Australian Meat Holdings at the time. So the new, J like the JBS of old, um, and was posted to Prime City Feedlot, which is about 40 minutes to the northwest of um, Griffith. And that started the next 15 years of lot feeding, where I held um, a few roles within that organisation through the transition to JBS, so induction supervisor, uh, livestock supervisor, mill supervisor, and then ultimately the feedlot manager of Prime City. Um, and then I had, I finished with JBS about two and a half years ago and uh, just did a, a little bit of stuff for um, the Herbert family at Ladysmith Feedlot outside Wagga. Um, and this is also probably when I built um, my own cow herd and steer trading um, operation in conjunction uh, with my family. Um, and then I've just recently started um, at our Ross and Angus east of Holbrook, uh, which is a seed stock operation. So um, yeah, just coming down the supply chain slightly um, and 
understanding the supply chain. So yeah, that, so that's my story to today. What a beautiful and unique story as well from finger limes to now holding your own flock of cattle as well. Great to hear like you stepped out of your probably comfort zone talking about Japan and how you can get finger limes onto sushi platters and plates over there. Quite unique sort of experience. Yeah, very unique. And, and it was, it, you know, it was a really good project um, when I reflect back on it that really understood the intricacies of um, producing something that had to go to export as well and negotiating with government um, around that and policy and um, really understanding that you can think you have a really good product and you can tell yourself you have a really good product, but the customer's got to want to pay for it. So, um, yeah, so we we did quite a bit of extensive case studies in Tokyo and Osaka um, during that project. Um, and, you know, Japanese is not my first language. So even to have that um, different language barrier through yeah. the negotiations has learned a lot about um, the su- supply chain uh, ultimately in food. Yeah, well, a great way to get thrown into the deep end and push you to do more in what you're doing now with your own herd and what you're doing to push your own product, um, but also listen to what the consumers want. I think farmers on this end are looking to accommodate for the consumer taste and they are changing in the new world as well. And I think as farmers, we probably have to move along with them. Yeah, I think absolutely, Jack. I think um, we've, we're very good at producing us the next person in the supply chain and i think it's really important that you you develop a product that's fit for the next person yeah absolutely so let's take a walk through your farm what's it look like and how do you operate your cattle currently yeah okay so uh i've got about 230 cows um that are all on lease or adjustment blocks throughout new south wales um and then run up to 500 trader steers um, which are a combination of cattle into feedlots or uh, into some of those premium grass-fed markets. Yep. Um, so, yeah, run some pure short-horn cows and also some uh, anger short-horn crossbred cows. Um, and then steers are um, fit for purpose. So there's a range of pure angus steers or short-horn steers um, or crossbred steers that are chasing that higher growth um, and and also tracing some marbling in those premium grass-fed markets. Yeah, beautiful. And the cattle in the background, you can't see because we're on a podcast, but it nearly looks like they're on a golf course. The times are pretty good down where you are. <laughs> yeah, look, we're, we're probably experiencing um, a, a phenomenal season throughout um, New South Wales and Queensland, but it, it's probably actually giving us some, some added challenges that we never have thought. Um, Luke worms. Um, we, we're having we're having two seasons here. Um, I also don't know that the grass is probably as good as it looks. Uh, there's probably a fair bit of water in, in our grass, so our nutritional balance is there. And um, so so it's just a challenging sometimes, um, as in a drought and with these overset these threats of you know FMD, um, the US in recession, weaker against the yen. Um, it's all proving it's not as smooth sailing as it looks, I suppose. No, it's not the easiest to navigate, but as farmers, all we can do is manage what we're doing within our own farm gate and how that we can improve our own product, but also see what sort of markets may be available for us. 
having a look through your farm and ag tech, a bit of a buzzword, what sort of ag tech have you used on your farm or trialed or what are you more excited about for ag tech in the future? Um, because I know you said you've got some adjustment blocks around the New South Wales. I'd imagine navigating that uh, improvements as well. It was quite difficult. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And it's about valuing your own time and really understanding what the productivity is. So the greatest um, bit of technology ag tech that we have in our in our business is that we have two opti ways that um, we float around our, our, our steer population. And that is really um, to understand exactly what's going on with those steers um, and working on what average daily gain they're doing, but also what their cost of production is. Um, and ultimately what is actually going on there. So we can best sit um, to the market that we, we're targeting or to adapt and change. Um, and to make also some forecasting, use it as a forecasting tool in terms of weight gain, turn off, um, and, th and then that manifests into cash flow and, um, and all sorts of things from there. So what was your actual turning point to look towards OptiWay? I know like within ag tech adoption, it's not always the easiest. You want to go to an event, have a trial or something. How did you actually get across that line and what was the decision to make that choice? I suppose, Jack, coming out of the feedlot industry where we where I knew a lot more about what um, average daily gain and what to expect. So it was more like a controlled science experiment um, in terms of because we HGP, non-HGP, uh, British bread versus Euro, the whole kit and caboodle. And, and we had a, um, we had some checkpoint weighings in our supply chain. And then to, for me to put cattle onto grass and not have any control over that or, or not know exactly what was doing was a turning point. Um, and I actually saw the Opti way um, at Beef uh, in 2021 and um, was really fascinated at the data that I could actually get out of there. So... Obviously, in a feedlot, we collect, collected a lot of data. Um, maybe we didn't use all of that data, but um, the data that we could collect um, and could use was what we were really chasing in our business. So uh, we took, we purchased our first OptiWay um, and we put it onto some steers. And um, I suppose we'd ha we've had that for we had that for about six months, and then um, we were actually on a family road trip in over Christmas and. Uh, I think everyone had the same question, like when are we going to order the second? So we've gone ahead and ordered two now and, and they operate um, in, in different mobs of cattle and we will shift the OptiWay around just to gauge. Um, and it's also, I suppose, it's validation to tell us that we're doing the the right thing in terms of production, but we've used it as a biggest tool in when cattle are actually not going forward. Um, and and we believe that potentially it could tell it can tell us two or three weeks ahead of when you can visually see that cattle are actually going backward or not gaining the weight that they, they need to. And, and that's a lot of days, 21 days, especially if you're paying adjustment. So we know um, compliantly our cost yeah. of production. Yeah, I think like that outside value is so hard to convey for these ag tech companies um, until the farmer actually sees and has it in their own sort of operation. Each farm's totally different. Um, but for yourself, like going through this, how did you adjust to reading the data, analyzing it, and what sort of decisions did you make off the back of it to turn them off easier or to move them onto a new paddock? How did it work? 
Yeah, so I initially spent some time with Bill from Optiway yep. and we went through all, all the um, data and, and we really talked about full weight, shrunk weight, um, because you can manipulate data so that you look good. Um, you know, you can shrink cattle right up and then weigh them and all of a sudden they're doing two and a half kilos a day, but are they really essentially? So um, really understood the reports coming out of Optiway. So um, we get a report to our email every morning at four minutes past three. Um, I don't read at that time, but there is some other people in my family that definitely do read it at that time. <laughs> yeah, that are up and at it. Um, and, and then um, it has a 14, 21 day again. And you can also pull the individual data on, on animals and see how many times they've come to the Opti way and, and what their weight gain has been over a period and how regularly they are weighing. So that gives us a pretty good cross section of, of a herd. Uh, where we have used it, we've used it um, because I am about five and a half hours to to, to the adjacent from where I live. Um, it, it it helps with forecasting, so we can say, um, righto, in six weeks' time we're going to have a B double of, of feeder cattle to turn off, or um, hang on, we're going to have to push those space cattle out, or or whatever. So it's a time efficiency thing for us, but it's also absolutely knowing those metrics, and it's also I think bringing cattle to the yards to weigh them, uh, we would use some metrics in the feedlot that, you know, every time you touch them, you lost a certain amount of carcass weight. So every bit of carcass weight is really valuable at them. It's better to keep them in the paddock than to bring them to the yards to weigh them. Yeah, definitely. Certainly at the current value of what they're going at the moment. But I hadn't actually thought of if you did have a block five hours away, getting that data would be pretty crucial, saving your trip over there at least. Um, but also making that decision um, how your cattle are traveling, if the steers are actually putting on weight or you need to hold off, like you said, and pull off going into the markets. So for yourself, it actually has improved your outcomes um, dramatically within your own operation, being adjusting and cattle at home as well. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely improved it. And it, we make better decisions. We make more informed decisions. And, and when you're, you know, selling a feed of steer for six dollars, or um, you know, up around ten dollars for a kill, a kill animal. Um, you know, there's a lot of money on the line when you put a B double um up to to the feedlotter or to the meat processor. So the more data and the more informed that you can be on the decision to sell those cattle, I think that that's got to be advantageous to your situation, uh, to, to animal performance, but ultimately um, profitability of your enterprise. Yes, yeah, certainly. And for ag tech in general, what do you think, like sort of other farmers, what they could be doing to improve their own operation, whether they're able to use an OptiWay out in the paddock for in-paddock weighing from the cattle side of it, but also down further down the line for the sheep side of it, Bill's pretty excited about as well. Um, but what would you say to another farmer just looking to get across that line? I just, because they're all there on the fence. They're waiting to hop over. Yeah, I think data is key. So. Um we the more data you can get and the more you know about your cattle um the better off you are we did some you know in the initial stages um we had collected some data out in the paddock of optiway and we wanted to validate that back across the scales um you know for our own benefit um just just to see that ensure that the logarithm was actually working and there was one kilo difference across all animals from what was weighed in the paddock to what was weighed at the scales. 
so so in that time um it, it really validated i also think farmers have got to value their own time and and um you know it takes if it takes five or six hours to weigh more of a cattle well you've got to put a value on that as well as a production loss back to those cattle because every time you touch them they will lose weight yeah absolutely and there's a question put to twitter a few months back i think as a farmer what would you put your hourly wage at a few people said 200 bucks or something but like having that discussion and actually thinking about oh shit maybe i do need to evaluate that five hours of travel five hours in the yards um, and coming back another five hours 15 hours at whatever value doing that once or even four times a month to check your cattle even more so so yeah having that discussion i think that comes in with that outside value of what different pieces of ag tech are doing and what OptiWay has achieved for its users. Um, and as proof in the pudding, you've bought two. What was the initial, yep. like what was the input that you, discussion you had to get the second one? Is it to put it with another mob or is it because you're adjusting further away? No, it was to put it with a second mob. So Craig, uh, the data, really wanted to know what we were doing. Yep. Um, and look, if we look back on the trajectory of a, of a feeder steer, um, when I first entered the uh, feedlotting industry, which is, I'm not that old, but it is a few moons ago now, um, in 2006, a feeder steer, a black feeder steer in Southern Australia was worth $1.80. And it went, um, I can remember in the first winter I entered the feedlot, it went to $2. And we were told specifically from Hedelsis that we would keep every single animal alive. We're now over $6 um, for an animal. We've got, we've got, it's, it's a high, um, it's your return on investment. Yeah, definitely. Did you first look at your return on investment before getting into AATEC and OptiWay um, just to see how it come through? Because the initial, you have your bulk purchase, obviously, but also putting that in, averaging it out probably across the five years, like we do, you've really seen the return from your own investment in that? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the payback um, on today today's terms, if, if you get it wrong when you load a BWA cattle, um, it'll pay for its way in the first load of cattle that you send away. So um, the payback is 60 days if, if you're into a feeder animal, um, maybe a bit longer if you're into a, a kill bullock. But um, so I think that, yeah, you've got to... Um, and I suppose uh, we have a greater pressure because our cattle are on adjustment. So we know what our cost of production is. Um, that doesn't mean that people that don't own their land um, don't know what their cost of production is, but it, it's forefront when the, when the adjustment's coming, bill's coming through. Yeah, absolutely. With that added pressure, looking for new ways, it's actually quite good to see that you are using it um, with your adjustment block and how you can use that there. What would you sort of suggest to other farmers that would be looking to improve their own mob pushing into steers into the feeder market as well? Yeah, look, look at every day that they're on grass, um, do that. Make sure that animal health is um, is paramount. Um, so, you know, drench is expensive, but again, it's that return on asset. Yeah. Um, back to that. So, so it's making sure that your cattle are coming along um, from an animal health perspective the best way that they can be. Uh, so that they're ready. Um, a lot of feedlots now are pre-vaccination, pre-pre-feedlot, um, and pay a premium for that. Um, my advice is use that 
to your advantageous on on farm you know get some benefit out of or out of those products on farm because you will get it. it it may not be quantified because the research hasn't been there but there will be some benefit for you on farm um and, and just be strategic with what you do i suppose absolutely it like a business yeah and going back to when data is king for your cattle what sort of increases are you looking to see um, for your cattle before you're sending them away and what weights are you sending them away? Uh, it, it just depends on, on where they're going. So, um, you know, the feedlots that we, we service yep. um, are really 300 to 520. So we'd ultimately like to average 500 kilos for, the, for those cattle that go away. Um, when I sit on the other side of the fence as a feedlotter, potentially I don't want them at 500 kilos. Um, but yeah, like as a producer, that's where I want to aim. And then um, for the for that premium uh, grass-fed market, uh, the the heavier you can get them, there's a correlation to marbling, I believe. So um, there is a premium in the, in the export market that we go to for grass-fed um, for marbling or for plus. So we're trying to get as much weight into those cattle um, that we can to to capitalise that marbling offset. Great stuff. And you said before that you get a report each morning. Do you actually analyse that data at the end of the week or each day as it comes through? How do you work that? And like data overload within agricultural farmers being overwhelmed with utilising it, we're collecting it, but actually utilising it to make a difference to our own operations. Are you doing that daily or weekly? How do you work it? Uh, I look at it daily, usually as I have the first cup of tea in the morning. Um, but I, I think the key is, you know, focus on the metrics that drive the productivity in your business. Like there is a lot of um, data out there. I absolutely agree. But hone in on what 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 is it that drives your business? Is it um, weaning rate or is it kilograms put on or whatever it may be, um, focus on that metric um, and, and make sure that, you, that you're collecting that metric to your ability because um, otherwise, it, it, like anything, if, if there's too much of it, you actually probably shut down and won't take any of it. But, um, you know, it, focus on what the metric is that's going to really impact your business and, and drive it and benchmark it um, and, and really understand it, I think. Uh, that's what I really wanted to do at the start when we had the Optiway is really understand how we were getting those figures. You know, is it based off a full weight at induction or, um, you know, is it shrunk 4% or, or or how do we calculate it so that we're actually being accurate and true to ourselves? Yeah, certainly. Um, and the closest we can get to that, the better for us and also the better for the development of the future of Australian ag tech coming through. It's great to have Bill's knowledge coming from cattle cattle farm himself and also i don't really think it could have been done otherwise um to what the specifications are for farmers by farmers absolutely and i think that yeah and he's got skin in the game so he wants to make it work so that's that's got to help and he's in a pretty you know his business is um driven by weight and fixing um, meeting specifications so it's imperative in his business so if he's got the faith in his product and he's willing to put it to the market well i would suggest it's pretty good absolutely so for yourself what would be the one piece of farms advice you would look at adopting in paddock weighing um, and how that could play out for another producer out there don't be scared 
of it on what you're going to tell you. Um, it's, it won't be all good every day. Yep. Um, at some stage, your cattle will lose weight, but that gives you the opportunity to be able to fix to fix that problem or to identify that problem and, and talk to other people that are, that are using it. Um, I think that agriculture at, at producer level is really good at working in silos. And um, we all think that we've got some big trade secret where we're actually probably all pretty much the same. So yep. reach out to another person that has an opti way and, and say to them, well, this is what I'm finding. Is this what you're finding? And um, you know, it's betterment of that supply chain and, and ultimately getting back to producing an article that the customer wants. Yeah, great piece of farms advice there. Well, Emily, it's been fantastic having a run through your operation just to see how you manage and going quite well to manage your adjustment block and good to see OptiWays coming through with the goods, um, both when your cattle may be losing some weight and you can make a decision off that, but also when they're ready to turn off and go to market. Great to... It's always great to hear producers' stories. Not always the easiest conversation or to put a seatbelt on them as well. We're a busy lot, so good to have you on. Great. Thanks for having me, Jack. And um, I will tune in to all the upcoming because you can never, you always get something from every podcast. Yeah, 100%. For anyone that wanted to have a yarn review, are you on Twitter or something like that? Or how can we contact you? Uh, what about if I provide my contact details to you and you can pass them on? Sounds good. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Emily. We'll talk to you further down the track. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms of Us podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.